0: As Jim has already mentioned, uh, today's scripture is going to be out of Acts. It's chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. If you would like, you can also find it in the Pew Bible on page 771. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing out of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I understood it, too. That's what was weird. My favorite part of this sermon is right out of the chute here because we're going to hear from Sarah Viani. We thought it would be great, and, and I'll be up front here. This message is really uh, focused a great deal on, on these folks who are in the front row. And bless your heart, you're hearing it for a second time. And thank you for coming to the first service. It meant a lot, by the way. I had five different people say, oh, so, it meant so much that they came to the early service as well. How many of y'all were struggling, really? I mean, the, the earliness of the hour. How many? Okay. Jeff is the only. Oh, okay. It took a moment, the vast majority. Okay. Do y'all remember anything I said? You, yeah, okay. Listen this time. Uh, but my favorite part of this really is on the front end of this. Uh, we asked Sarah Viani to share a little bit. Sarah has journey just a little bit further down the path than these high school seniors. She just completed her first uh, year, her freshman year at Wake Forest University, and I really was so uh, touched by what she had to say uh, this first hour, and I know she's going to share it in here, but just her transparency with it and uh, how she really incarnates um, a lot of what we're talking about this morning. So Sarah, if you'll come on up, and so appreciated what you had to say and your honesty, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you as well.
2: First of all, I want to congratulate each of you on graduating from high school. Exactly one year ago, I was sitting right where you are now, and I can't believe how quickly this past year has gone by. You all have so much to look forward to in the next year and in the years after that, I'm sure. But since I'm only one year ahead of you, I can only share my limited experience. One year ago, as I sat here in my cap and gown, the lone vestavia rebel among a sea of Spartans, I felt such a mixture of emotions. I was so excited about beginning my freshman year at Wake Forest, but I was also scared. I couldn't help but ask myself, did I make the right choice? How do I really know that Wake is where God wants me to be? I was sad to be leaving my family and friends, and I was worried that I would have a difficult time making new friends in a place 500 miles away from home. Once I got to Wake, I tried to convince myself right away that I loved it. You applied early decision for a reason, I kept telling myself but I couldn't exactly pinpoint what the reason was. I definitely liked Wake, but I was still trying to figure out why every upperclassman I met seemed to be so obsessed with it. A side note, for those of you who don't know me very well, I have a tendency to stress myself out somewhat easily. For example, on my second day of being a cool and mature college student, I called my mom crying because I hadn't made any lifelong friends yet. I was surrounded by people who seemed to have it all together. There were definitely moments when I felt like everybody else knew what they were doing, and I was the only one struggling. It took some time and conversations with some other freshmen experiencing the same feelings for me to realize how selfish that mindset was. Here I was, brand new to this whole college thing, with a 1,000 other people in the exact same boat. Of course, everybody else was acting like they had it all together. I had been doing the same thing. None of us wanted anyone, to see, anyone else to see that we were struggling, which brings me to my first small piece of advice. It's okay not to have it all together 100% of the time. Actually, it's more than okay. It's totally normal. I think that I had always known that to be true, but I certainly didn't take it to heart during those first few weeks of college. As first semester went on, I began to like Wake more and more. Believe it or not, I did make friends, despite my mild panic attack on day two. However, the same question continued to come up in my mind. How do I know that this is the place where God wants me to be? I frequently felt like I was wandering aimlessly, overwhelmed by feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. What comforted me time and time again, though, was this truth. Despite all of the change and unfamiliarity around me, God remained constant. Malachi 3 6 quickly became one of my favorite verses I, the Lord, do not change. Simple, but so powerful. I took comfort in knowing that even though I wasn't sure what my future would hold, I knew exactly who was holding it. I learned that in order to feel God's peace, I needed to give over my fear of the unknown to him. So many times over these past eight months, I've questioned, doubted, and feared. And every time, I've been reminded of God's love, patience, and goodness. Although I still don't know what I want to major in or exactly what I want to do for a living, I've learned that it doesn't matter. Your parents might not be too happy that I just said that, but hear me out. (laughs) When I say it doesn't matter, I'm not at all saying that the choices I make don't have an impact on the course of my life. They absolutely do, but in the grand scheme of things, my major and career are insignificant. What gives them importance is how I use them, actually how God uses me through them. Whenever I stress out about my uncertain future or question my purpose, it helps to put things into perspective. I have learned that I need to remember that I am here now, and wherever here is, whether it's school, at home, or anywhere else, I need to not only accept it, but more importantly, to embrace it. God puts each of us where we are for a specific reason. That reason may still be unclear, but this is where trust comes in. 2 Corinthians 5-7 says, We live by faith, not by sight. Another simple verse, but its truth holds so much power. Over the past year, I have also learned that my one true purpose in life is to glorify God. This is something I learned a long time ago, but God, being the loving Father that he is, patiently reminded me over the course of my freshman year that he made me for one very specific purpose, to love and to serve him. I finally realized that instead of worrying about what my purpose at Wake was, I needed to focus on two things. One, my ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God, And two, regardless of where I am, I must strive toward this purpose to the best of my ability. I realize that these lessons I've learned over the past year are not new concepts for you. I know that you have been told time and time again how important it is to trust God completely and that we were made for his glory. My small piece of advice to you, though, is that you will hold fast to these basic truths when you go to college. Your parents, Sunday school teachers, and pastors were right when they taught you these things. So wherever you go in this next phase of your journey, allow God to use you, seeking him on your campuses and in your communities. God works in ways that don't always make sense to us, but I hope that you will find peace in the realization that he is in control and will work everything together for good.
1: It's a great word. Thank you, Sarah, so much. And, and I appreciate what you say, encouraging them to, to hold fast. Uh, as you press on, uh, let's let's start at the end. When when we end a service here, I do a benediction, and I wonder, I want you may have heard it enough to where you, you you know it. Could anybody start it with me? Depart now, in the fellow. Let's try it again. Ready? Depart now in the fellowship of God the Father. Okay, and then you get to the big injunction. You get into the big imperative here. What's the next line? And as as you go, remember. That's the big verb. And as you go, remember. What are we called to remember? That by the goodness of God, you were born into this world. And by the grace of God, you have been kept all the day long, even until this very hour. And by the love of God, fully revealed in the face of Jesus, you have been redeemed and you are being redeemed. Amen. Okay. That's great. I appreciate uh, you you, uh, being familiar with it. That's great. Now. I want to just have a three-part addendum to that, and that, that's for you guys this morning. I want you to think about that benediction and those things that you need to remember, but I want you to, do y'all know what an, an addendum is? You're going to learn about it when you do papers and stuff, okay? You're going to love it. Uh, but there's a three-part addendum. Oh, you'll you will revel in it. Uh, but uh, I'll get to those in just a moment, but let's give it a little context with our passage because really what our big hope for you guys, and again, like the first service. I want you to just imagine we're in the Barnett family room with the red couch and the red love seat and the dog howling uh, in the backyard because the dog's master can't control him. And uh, I don't know, that was just automatic. I don't know why I did that. Um, But I just really want to talk about it, and I know you've already heard this one, so I'm just, I guess I'm going to have to drill it home to you again, and, and my hope and prayers, you don't see this as paternalistic, but, but the addendum points are very, very basic, and I think it's important whenever you're in the middle of a major transition or facing a major transition that you do uh, hold fast, to use Sarah's word, to the basics. Um, it's a big thing at Samford, it's a big mantra we like to talk about our prayers that you make your faith your own. And that's what we hope and pray that you will do as you go from here. That you won't go in a way that you're going to shelter your faith or feel painted into a corner or feel threatened or defensive about it. No, all the more we want you, we want your faith to breathe life and to have a passion about it. And that's really what we hope is that you will develop in your faith. But there's some steps you're going to need to take. Let's think about it. It was Pentecost And it was an amazing thing that happened where the disciples were gathered in one place, and then they began to speak in different languages. This wasn't the unintelligible gibberish of speaking in tongues that Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians. This was languages that people understood, and it was so amazing that it drew people from all over the known world to listen to this phenomenon that was going on. And it says you had people from everywhere, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and Arabia and all these other places. So they're from all over the known world. Now, it must have been amazing for them to come along and converge where these disciples were doing this and to witness this phenomenon, but let's flip it. Also, it was significant for the disciples to see these people who represented the spectrum of of all of society all the known world, all of civilization, and there they were converging in this room. All these people representing all these different nations, all these different languages, all these different viewpoints, all these different opinions, beliefs, creeds, all the way across the board. And they were all right there. Now, as you head to college, you're going to be exposed to every manner of nationality, language, viewpoint, opinion, Uh, political thought, whatever, belief, all these different things. And that's a good thing, by the way. I don't want you to think, oh, I'm warning you, you're going to be exposed to these things. That's a good thing. That's a part of liberal arts education. And there's no bigger fan in this room, I would argue, for liberal arts than me and a few other people, maybe Brian Kessler to some degree. But um, truly, uh, uh, that's an important thing. That's why you go and engage and converse with all these different views of the world. Very, very important. But at the same time, I'm going to go back to your words, Sarah. Very important that you hold fast to that which you believe, that which you value, that which really has been instilled in you here at Brookwood, as well as through other ministries. And again, it's important to us that you lean into this spirit of which we speak this day, because he is indeed the source of all things and all the people who are created, all the different languages out there, all the different nationalities. He is the source of it all. You have been in a privileged place to have been exposed to that spirit who is God. And so it's all the more crucial for you to make your faith your own. Now, how do you do that? And our passage suggests just a few ways, and I'm just going with the basics here. And the first thing I would say would be, when you get to your college campus, find that church. Find that church. I know I'm sounding paternalistic like, you know, whoever, but but so, so vitally important. I could read from um, Acts uh, chapter 2, because later on it says that they met regularly, Uh, But I'm going to go to Hebrews 10, even though I uh, did have the ribbon there, and I don't now. Here we go. Um, It says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, (laughs) but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Not giving up on meeting together. Clearly, there's a New Testament mandate that you continue to meet. I know people want to say, well, the church isn't these four walls. Thank you. Yes, we know that. But it's also a place where you do go to meet on a regular basis, to lift each, up, uh, lift each other up, to learn from one another, to encourage one another. That's why we are here. It makes it clear in Acts chapter 2 at the birth of the church, they continued to meet regularly. Look later in the chapter. They met regularly. They saw the importance of doing that. Yes, out of habit in a good way where you can learn to become more like Christ. Again, it's really not a matter of just reinforcing your belief system. You know, your belief system will even fine-tune while you're in college. We want that to happen. What it does as you go to that church that you get to soon after you get to campus, it, it gives you consistency to the spiritual growth that you've already experienced here. And that really will constitute authentic spiritual growth. So, you know, take your time looking for a church but I I would encourage you by the end of your first semester hopefully you will be locked into a church and I think it'd be great if it was off campus and I say that with a little hesitancy because I know in Fort Worth at TCU there's one church that's right there on the campus I guess you probably noticed it but but you know again consider it off campus if that's where you wind up but this is why I say this it's great to be a part of various ministries on a college campus I mean I was in charge of ministries on Sanford's campus for a time so I really do value that and I was blessed by that when I was a student at Sanford, but there is something about going off campus on Sunday or whatever the day is where you worship and getting in with a community that's intergenerational where you have people who are really more tapped into the everyday rhythm of real life. I hate to say it, but college life is a little bit different from the world you go into after college. And it's great to continue to be locked into, I see a lot of adults nodding their heads like, yeah, please tell them that. That's funny, I just saw a lot of people doing that. But, but again, it's great to break from that for a time and go to a place where people are just hammering out their lives and working to survive and grow in their own faith and understand what it means to be a follower of Christ in and, and, and a group of people that you don't see normally on your campus. Now, are all churches perfect? Heck no. Uh, and, and look at us, you know. But I always tell people Pentecost was great, but by chapter 6 they had to get organized, and they had to build infrastructure. And yes, they had to become institutional. Why? Because we're broken, flawed people, and that's the way the church is. Look at most of Paul's letters. He's responding to dysfunction in various churches. Guess what? We are all dysfunctional and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's just the way it is. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, if, if that's what's going to keep you from being at church because you don't like how flawed people are, then you're not getting it at all. And he's 100% right. But again, uh, Continue to join all the rest of us who are hypocrites and talk out both sides of our mouths and who don't always live up to the glory of Christ because we're all in it together. And I hope you will make sure that you will get involved in a church early on. I I would encourage you by the end of your first semester, lock in to some place. And on a side note, look for a mentor, at least one, whether it's a professor or a campus minister, uh, a a minister, you know, on, on a church staff. Always great to have someone who's been a little bit further down the road. Just in a way, just as Sarah, in a sense, gave you some honest, transparent words of where she stumbled along, there are people like us who are even further down the road who have stumbled even more, and we can help teach you along the way as well. So go to that church. Secondly, go out to that world. Pentecost was the birth of the church. The Greek word for church is Bishop Spears. Ekklesia. Bishop Spears, he didn't know I was going to do this, but Bishop Spears, what does ekklesia mean, do you know? The assembly, it can also mean, ek means out of, it can mean the going out. Did you know that? Okay, well, you're still the bishop. Uh, Ekklesia literally means the going out now, think about that. Yeah, the church is not the four walls. It's a matter of getting out there. And, and um, are, how many of y'all are going to South Africa? A lot of y'all. I mean, raise your hand if you're going to South Africa. Good good number of you. Okay. We're excited for you. We've helped facilitate for, this, uh, for you. I'm not putting you on a guilt trip. But we facilitated it, helped raise money for it. We're excited about it. But why are we doing it? Is it just so you can go to a cool place and that it's a novelty? Absolutely not. What are we doing with that? I think the key word is momentum. We are hoping that your having done that will give you momentum toward your experience at college, that you will just continue to engage in mission work. That's why we're doing that. That's the key reason we're doing that. My hope and prayer is that when you get to whatever college, you will... Either immediately begin to engage in mission work, whether it's uh, urban ministry, homeless ministry, volunteering at a church, at a school, whatever it might be, or or even engaging in summer mission work somewhere. I really hope you'll consider doing that at least one summer somewhere, and maybe doing it on a regular basis. That would just be great. If there's one way you can honor this church, you know, if you feel like this church has done anything for you, and you want to honor that, engage in mission work. Why? Because we live and breathe it here. I was describing this church to someone last week who might be our speaker for All America Sunday that's coming up, and and he said, well, tell me about your church, if you could boil it down to one word, and the word that came to me was missions crazed, that's what it was. I said, this is a missions crazed people, they are always getting after it out there and bringing the kingdom out there and bringing the whole gospel to people, and I kind of talked about that phrase that we used last year, you know, whole gospel to the whole world, and how we're all really engaged with that and motivated by that. And it's just amazing the amount of funding that we've given, you know, that we give to that on a regular basis, much more than a lot of churches. And I don't say that in an elitist sense, it's just saying that's a big part of who we are. So if there's one way you can honor us truly, it's to get out there on mission in some way on a regular basis. I hope and pray that you will do just that. That's what the ecclesia is, it's the going out. So again, uh, two little addendums to that benediction of remembering to do what? Go find that church, hopefully within the first semester. I would, I would love it if you could. Secondly, go out into the world. And then finally, go back to that place. Now, what do I mean by that? If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says they were all together in one place. Talking about the disciples. They were all together in one place. It does not specify in the biblical record where that place was, but most scholars across the board agree that it was the upper room. Now, what's, what's cool about that? What were some things that happened in the upper room in the gospel story long before this moment when Pentecost happened? What's where Jesus and the disciples observed what? We observe it uh, once every month. What is it? Lord's Supper. The Last Supper was in the upper room. After they had the supper, Jesus pulled a, put a towel around his waist, and what did he do then? washed the disciples' feet. Later on in his risen state, what did he do? He appeared to them for the first time in the upper room. And that's where he invited them to receive the Holy Spirit, and that's where he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. All these things happened in that room. In other words, it was a special room, a special monument, if you will. I don't, can't think of a better term at the moment, but it was a place of remembrance because it's where you know Jesus... Appeared to them, or did things with them that were just so significant and so memorable and so meaningful. And so, my question to you guys is: What are your upper rooms? What are the places where you experience God's presence in a really profound way? I hope, in some ways, you think of this room as that, as we've experienced in worship. And some of y'all have led in worship before. I hope this is one of those places. Maybe it's the sock. Maybe it's where you've met for for D groups. Uh, uh, maybe it's a retreat. It could even be Laguna Beach, which is frightening to think about. But even Laguna Beach, where they have beach retreat, is a place often where they have met God, where you guys have had meaningful, you know, just renewal of your your relationship with Christ. It could be some other place, a conference you went to, whatever. But what are those places? Because I want to really encourage you to go back to those upper rooms when you find times, even as Sarah was talking about, where it gets challenging. Any transition is challenging, and college is, is is a real paradigm shift for you guys. And when there are those moments of great uncertainty, great unfamiliarity, I think it'll be great for you to just even in your mind, (laughs) close your eyes and think about those places that are your and that have been your upper rooms. Because I promise you that in those moments you will hear God's gentle whisper and you will sense his presence at that time and you will realize that he's been there with you all along i've always loved genesis 28 where jacob is in a very unfamiliar place he's in unknown territory he's never been there before and he's obviously feeling quite alone and he finds a stone for his pillow and he puts his head on it and he falls asleep and he has a dream and it's a dream where there's a stairway that goes from earth all the way to heaven And it's a beautiful metaphor that God gives to him saying, you know what, I'm with you every step of the way. That's what I'm saying. As you're journeying all the way toward heaven, I am with you every step of the way. And then he renews the covenant with Jacob that he had started with his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, and he said, I am moving that covenant to you now. And I am with you always, no matter what. Do you remember what Jacob said when he woke up? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I, does anybody know? I was unaware of it. I did not even know it. So my hope and prayer is that you will trust the fact that he is with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you, which it says over and over in the Old Testament. Always there with you. Always there for you. And it's those remarkable moments when you look back and say, my gosh, he was with me every step of the way. You will experience those. And trust on the front end of it that you're going to experience those great moments. So depend on those upper rooms as well. So again, those three addendums to the benediction, get to that church, go out into the world and go back to that place or those places that are upper rooms for you. We wish you all the best. Uh, We wish you, one of my favorite verses, 2 Peter 3, 18, that you will go, go on growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that, I ask that we all join in prayer. Lord, bless these seniors. Thank you for the time and effort they have put in to come to know you better. We pray for them as they are on the verge of of a monumental shift in their lives. Yes, summer is here, but summer will be gone soon enough, and they will be venturing out, scattering about all over the country. And we ask that you help them to realize that you are present with them no matter what. We pray even now for those who are in churches where they will wind up, those who will be serving them, ministering to them, We pray that they would continue to engage in the mission of bringing your whole gospel to others. Not merely the verbal transmission of your gospel, which is so important, but also the bringing of the gospel through food, through shelter, through a cup of cold water, whatever it might be, so that people will see that we are giving feet and hands to this which we believe. Thank you for each and every one of them. Oh God, bless them give them a strong assurance of your presence, give them a strong assurance of their faith and their beliefs. I pray that as they authentically and truthfully engage with other thoughts, other other belief systems, that they will realize that they are equipped well enough and beyond that our faith in you will stand the test of any tests, any tests out there. Lord, bless them and keep them. We pray for each and every one of us whenever each and every one of us faces some shift, some major transition in our lives. Help us to trust that you are there with us. Help us to continue to lead into our brothers and sisters who are the church, and help us to look beyond ourselves as one of the favorite verses that was read from Philippians, looking to the needs of others before our own. And may that minister to us as well. Lord, we pray that you be with us even now as someone maybe feels led to accept you for the first time, to to invite you into their hearts, that they might surrender themselves over to you. Or maybe someone needs to dedicate themselves anew to you. Someone might be feeling led to publicly move their church membership or to be baptized, whatever public decision it is that they might want to make. Oh God, would you move in their hearts? May your spirit pervade their hearts and move them to do whatever decision it is that they need to do. God, that you were with us throughout. May we, in a sense, trust that every day is indeed Pentecost, where the Spirit comes to us in such a powerful, profound way, and that we are so graced just to be a part of this amazing journey together. We thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be standing at the front, like kind of right over here, and if you feel led to surrender yourself over to Christ for the first time, and you want to make that public, which we see see is so important in this church... Or if you want to uh, pray with someone or be baptized or move your church membership, I'll be here representing this whole church as we stand together to sing.
3: In Christ the Lord, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This
4: Um, I just want to introduce y'all, this is Rebecca Rush, but in about six months, she'll be Rebecca Yoder, and so we're, uh... <laughs> so yeah, as of Thursday night, we, uh, we got engaged, and we just, we're excited, we want to celebrate with you all, obviously y'all are close to, a uh, close, and uh, uh, an important part of our lives in the future, and my life now, and so um, we just want to share with you, so. I guess that's it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) School teacher, right? What is it about our staff, Micah? Just school teachers. They're, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hey, Caleb, stay up there if you would. And I know normally we do the uh, the part in the fellowship. We've already done that. You you have done such a magnificent job uh, ministering to these students. If you could just do a prayer of blessing over them. And I'm going to ask you guys again, I know. You're going to follow me out. Yes, you're going to stand in the breezeway so people can hug you and pinch your cheek and all. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's in it's in the word somewhere. So, uh, but no, we really want you to do that. But uh, man, you you, you and uh, those uh, who minister with you, Catherine and Sarah, and and gosh, the teachers. I could get all choked up. If there's one thing I'm grateful for, it's the great teachers we've had here who have. Helped raise my kids in the faith, and I know so many other people could speak to that. Just as the representative of them, could you pray a prayer of blessing for them as we Absolutely. head out? Thank bless you. Let's
4: pray. God, we do. Uh, we just ask that you would bless these students, Lord, as they are turning a page on one phase of their life, and as they begin a new one. Um, God, we ask that you would you would walk with them. Lord, that as this church, as Brookwood Baptist, is the church that's seen them, grow and develop and become the young men and the young women that they are, Lord, that we would support them, that we would be behind them. Um, God, we commission them to go out into the world as we've heard today, that they would be um, people who are going, um, that they would represent the church well and that they would go and represent this church well. They would represent the, the, the global capital C church well. Lord, we love you and we do pray for these seniors and ask that you would bless them in all of their adventures and, and, and the journeys that you have in store for them. And we offer these things in the name of Christ. Amen.